How many miles do you guys think I can get in today? <laughs> this is what it's like. This must be, if you could be inside your TV looking out, you know, on one of those exercise shows, everyone watching the person doing the exercise. Well, you know, we started a series um, last week called, called uh, Breathing Room. And uh, Breathing Room is a, designed for us to create some, some space so that we can find a place in our, in our souls and our lives where we can just experience God and just get out of the busyness and the rush of life. And we started with a scripture that just talked about um, this idea, what good does it do if you gain the whole world, but in the process you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And the pace at life, the pace at which we go, is often suffocating us. And it's crowding out God's spirit in our lives. And so we just keep going, and we keep going, and we keep going. But we talked about that we need God um, to help us create this space. And when we have this space, that the way he speaks to us is through a whisper. And that we actually have to get quiet. And we talked about that last week. And I don't know how many of you were here last week and you got these little, these little dots that uh, we put on, like, maybe our phones or our watches. Um, how, many of you, how many of you did that last, last week? Or how many of you, after about a day or two, didn't notice the dot anymore? <laughs> All right? I'm guilty. You know, at first it was like, oh, it's there. And pretty quick we're back into, we're kind of back into our old habits, and pretty soon, you know, we just start going a little faster, right? And life is busy, and we think we can, we can keep up, and, and so we're like, I, I got this. I got this. This is good. You know, I can do a few more things. Um, you know, we're trying to relax, but, you know, we keep going. We keep going, and at work, they say, you know, there's another project, and, and yeah, yeah, I, actually, boss, I got that. I can do that. An extra meeting after work, sure, you know, I, I got this. This is good. This is good. Um, an extra meeting after work, no problem. I'm on it, and when I get home, yeah, you know, oh, your picture, yeah, oh, very nice, all right. I see how that goes, I see how that's going to go. See, this is great, I can multitask, I can get my exercise in and preach at the same time. So then we come home, and we get home, and we think, oh, you know what, our, our son or our daughter, you know, has a, has a soccer game. You know, no problem, I am on that, I can get there, just make sure, hon, you know, you get the lunch ready for me, dinner, and, I'll, and then, um, I'm, you know, and then I'm going to be there. So, you know, we're going along, and, and we realize there's parent-teacher conferences that night, but, you know, I can get that in as well. And so we start going faster and faster, and all those bills, I can take care of those too. That is not a problem at all. I'll get those paid. And we keep going, and it's not a problem. I got this. Life is good. But we start getting a little winded, and it gets a little harder to talk and a little bit harder to preach. Some of you are hoping right now I'm going to wipe out and fall down, and... That probably would make for a very funny video, and I could make some money from that. But eventually, we just got to stop. <sighs> and <sighs> Because if we don't stop, we're going to collapse. But with life, we just keep going, don't we? We think we can add more. We think we can do more. And the treadmill of life is just moving fast. Now, you realize, I was breathing deeper, right? We talk about a suffocating pace that we're going on. And that's just a small illustration of what it's like where some of us are moving at that speed through life. And we think we got this. We think, I can do this. But what's happening is we're out of breath. And there's no more room. There's no time to relax. And there's no time to renew. Now, what's going on in my body? Now, I'm sure there's some medical people here who could probably explain this a little bit better, but I jumped off the treadmill. Why am I still breathing heavy? I mean, 
I stopped. I mean, I stopped running. I'm just standing here, and yet I'm still breathing heavy. I'm sweating. I got some extra, you know, paper towels here. I'm actually not sweating too bad. I'm pretty proud of myself there. Um, but see, just because we stop doesn't mean that we've caught up. And sometimes we think we get a Memorial Day weekend, we get a break, and, and everything's going to be great. But the reality is we haven't even slowed down enough yet, and our body's still going quick. Now, medically speaking, what happens is the reason I wasn't winded when I first started running is because my, my muscles were getting plenty of oxygen. The blood was pumping through my body, and they were, hey, we're happy, we're good, everything's fine. But eventually, as we start working harder and harder, the heart can't keep up and the blood can't keep pumping fast enough. And so what, what happens is we create an oxygen deficiency in the muscles and the blood. And all of a sudden, now the body's creating alternate and using alternate you know, energy sources and lactic acid builds up. And eventually, we start cramping and we start getting tired and winded and we can't do it anymore. And then we jump off and finally we stop. And yet, we don't immediately just recover because now we have built up an oxygen um, debt an oxygen debt in our bodies, and somehow now to re-oxygenate, I gotta, I gotta take deep breaths, right? And I gotta keep breathing in. The heart rate is still up, and trying to get the body to recover. And I'm sweating because the body's trying to cool me down. Now, last week I talked about this idea of the Holy Spirit being like oxygen to our lungs. The Holy Spirit is to our body. The Holy Spirit is to our lives and to our souls. And as Joe mentioned, today is Pentecost Sunday, and we talk about God bringing His Spirit. And his spirit comes and it needs to fill us. And, and like the oxygen in our body that comes through the blood needs to strengthen our muscles and give us that life, we need God's spirit to do the same for us. But when I read an article just about what happens kind of, you know, in our body as we go through exercise like this or, you know, the energy levels change, um, as we're ex exercising and we're breathing like this and trying to get, you know, ourselves in the right place, here's what the article said. And I thought it was interesting, thinking also in a spiritual lens as well. It says... If the condition of your heart is bad, then there's a decreased ability to deliver oxygenated blood. The condition of your heart is a determining factor. So think about that in spiritual terms. The condition of our heart is a limiting factor to how much God's Spirit can really work through our lives. And we really need to grow and to strengthen our hearts but we also need to create space because we can't keep going at this kind of pace. We can't keep pushing ourselves. We can't keep going, going. And yet we hear this, and last week we hear this message of breathing room, but we're right back at it on Monday. Go, 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 go. I remember talking to um, a friend of mine who's a physician with some kids at home, and she just said, you know what, I'm just on... I'm just constantly on the run. I don't have time to just sit down and watch TV and, and even have a cup of coffee. i got to take it on the run. i got to take it to go. And then she said, well, okay, once in a while, I'll, I'll watch a show with my kids. It's my guilty pleasure. And there's this sense sometimes we feel like we're feel guilty because we're not working hard enough. We're not pushing ourselves. And as I say, slow down and find some breathing room, some of you push back and go, you don't understand my situation. I run a business. Or you don't understand my boss. If I don't keep going, going, it's not going to happen. I'm going to lose my job or we're not going to be able to provide for my family. I have to keep going. I have to keep pushing. Or if you're in school or, or you're thinking about grades and trying, you know, performance, I got to keep up. I, gotta, I, can't, I can't let off. I'm going to lose the scholarship if I don't do that. Or if I don't, I'm not going to make the team if I don't keep going to more and more practices. And we're frantically running our families all over the place to try to just squeeze in everything that we can. And eventually it does catch up to us, though. It may take some time, but it catches up. It's kind of like if you were going to drive, you know, to California which we, none of us got to do because we're all here for Memorial Day weekend. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm off now. We're good. Um, <laughs> it's like saying, I'm going to go to California. I'm going to drive across the country, but I'm not going to stop for gas. I'm not going to stop for gas because I got to get there. I got to go. And we know, and it's just ridiculous. It's obvious. You're going to run out of gas. You're going to run out of fuel. And that's what happens to us. We think, like, I don't have to stop. I don't have to slow down. And everything's going to be fine. I can keep adding and I can keep sticking things into my life. And when it catches up, our body ultimately is going to revolt. I mean, quite physically, we're going to be sick. We're going to collapse. There's nervous breakdowns, mental breakdowns, physical problems. We're going to be in bed, sick. We're going to go to the doctor. We're going to feel stress. I remember, you know, for me, um, I carry stress. Of course, you know, I don't have any stress because I'm a pastor and I have this all figured out. But when I, you know, those rare occasions where I, I mess up, um, I, start, I carry stress up in, my, up in my shoulders, up here in my traps, and, and I start getting tense. And a couple years ago, this has happened a couple times now, where it just doesn't let up. And it gets worse and worse, and the stress begins to work its way down, and the muscles begin to tighten. And, and if any of you have dealt with back spasms, you know what that's like. And I used to think spasms were like, spasm just means it's clamping down the muscles. They lock up. They harden up. And it began to work its way down my back, and pretty soon it was all around, and I couldn't, couldn't stand up, couldn't lay down. And it began to work its way around the sides. And now it was working its way around my rib cage to the point where I couldn't even breathe. I, was, I went from full breaths to like half breaths. I was like, <sighs> and, then, and I remember it was a Super Bowl Sunday and we had all the students from our youth ministry over our house and I had to go upstairs into the, into the bedroom and, and just say, I can't, couldn't even be around that. And it just kept constricting and it kept constricting. I was down to quarter breaths. And eventually I was down to eighth breaths. Like I was like, <sighs> because it, it was like needles. If I inhaled, it was like needles that were just going to poke and I, I couldn't breathe deep. Finally, I called Called Shannon from upstairs on my phone. <laughs> I called downstairs. We gotta go. I gotta take me to the hospital. I, I, I'm gonna, I can't breathe. I feel like I'm suffocating in my own body. And we loaded me up in the car, and thankfully, as I started going, all of a sudden I felt those muscles relax. And I could breathe again. And our bodies just need to have that ability to breathe. We need that room, otherwise, it's going to wear us down. And so today, what I wanna talk about is how, does, um, how do we need rest physically? Why is that important? And what does scripture say? How did God design us to have that space, to have that time, so that we could renew and that we would have room in our lives to renew? Let's pray, and we'll dig into God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this place and this space, this room that we've created here to experience you, and as we sang, to become more aware of your presence. God, as we look into your word, as we hear your truths, Father, may your presence be made real and confident in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I've never tried this exercise thing before preaching. It kind of, now I look like one of those preachers with the, with the towel. <sighs> Ooh, I feel it. All right. Now, Jesus understood busyness as well. He was no stranger to that. We think of Jesus as just calm and had a good rhythm, and he did. He had a good rhythm in his life, but, but there were, they were definitely demands on his life. It wasn't like there wasn't anything going on. We read in, in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 31, Mark chapter 6, 30 to 31, about this, uh, this passage where the disciples had just been sent away. Jesus was preparing them. He was training them, and this is what it says. The apostles then returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and what they had taught. So it was a busy time. They just came back. But God, we were doing, you know, Jesus, we were doing this. We were teaching. We were healing. We were, we were doing all kinds of stuff. They come back to Jesus, telling those things. And then Jesus said, 
let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. But then as they're trying to rest, it continues. It says, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They left by boat for a quieter spot. And just in this little snippet here, in this little passage, we get a small insight into this rhythm that Jesus understood. I mean, these guys were so busy. They had people crowding around all the time. They didn't even have time to eat. How many of you have skipped a meal in the last week because you just decided it was easier to work, right? I'm going to work through lunch. Or I'm just going to, I don't have time for dinner because i got to take care of this. Or we're just going to grab it to go. They didn't even have time to stop and have a meal. That was the situation here. And Jesus saw that and he noticed that. And he said, look, let's, let's get away for a while. We need to find a quieter place. We need to go to a spot where we can rest. Because Jesus understood the importance of rhythm. The importance of having breathing room in our lives in the midst of a hectic schedule. So, are we just about relaxing? Is it just about finding time? No, there's this rhythm of creating and recreating. Creating and recreating. Recreating is the word we use, right? Why is it recreation? Because it's supposed to renew us. It's supposed to recreate our spirits to allow us to be about creating again. And so God designed us to be uh, people who create. Now, for example, this rhythm was established very early on in the book of Genesis. Right at the very beginning, the first words of scripture in Genesis 1 verse 1 say, in the beginning, God what? Come on, say it with confidence. In the beginning, God... You guys are Bible scholars. You got this, right? In the beginning, God created. It was the very first thing he did is he created. So there's, there's definitely work, right? There's, there's, there's an importance, there's a value there of, of accomplishing something, of making something. And the first thing that he created was actually days, right? It was, it was the dark and the light, the sun and the, the, the sun and the moon. He began to create this rhythm of days. And it was this rhythm of he created and he saw it was good. And on the second day, he created, and he looked, and he saw it was good. And so there was this already this rhythm of a daily rhythm of rest and renewal, creating and then recreating, renewing and resting and looking back and saying it was good. But then in, um, in Genesis chapter 2, after, it says this, verses 1 to 3. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. So right from the beginning, Scripture tells us here that there was a rhythm that God created in this world of creating and resting, creating, resting, but each day, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then this seventh day, God stepped back and he said, this day is different. This day is going to be set aside and there's this rhythm of rest. And he actually said it's going to be set apart and it's going to be declared holy. And in our Ten Commandments, did you know that one of the Ten Commandments, we think of all the, you know, thou shalt and thou shalt nots and all the commandments, one of them is, thou shalt keep the Sabbath and keep it holy, right? The Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, what is Sabbath? It's a word that we don't use very much in our day-to-day. -day. It's kind of a religious, churchy term, but it's in the Hebrew, and it's just a word, Shabbat, which just means, it just means rest, to cease from working, Right? To rest and to cease from working, to end. And, Jesus, and, and what God was saying is, this is a day, there comes a point in time in the rhythm of the week where you need to cease from working, where it comes to an end, and you just need to rest. No work, but keep it holy. And then in Exodus 31, it says it a little bit more uh, differently. Exodus 31, 17, it says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but he rested on the seventh day. And I love this last little part and was refreshed. 
And I think that's the intention for us, this being recreated, being refreshed, that this pace that we run, this, this movement that we're going on, it can't sustain us. It can't keep going. And we try to gain the whole world in the process. We lose our soul. There's nothing left for us. And, and God said, well, this is good because I've created a rhythm for you. And if that's the case, if that's how you're feeling about life, you're not living in the created rhythm that I have for you. There is breathing room. There is space enough for you. And it's called Sabbath. Now, there's two things that I want to talk about today, the importance of Sabbath and what Sabbath means and what that looks like for us today. And the first is this. The first key principle of Sabbath is let God work for you. Letting God work for you. See, now we're in this system and we, we, we live in a way where we think we've got to work for ourselves. If, if nobody's working for me, ain't nothing going to happen. Now, God didn't say don't do any work. He says work, create, and do that rhythm and have that pattern. He's created us in a certain way. He's given us gifts and abilities to do that. But the reality of, of our jobs, are, are any of you in a job where you feel like your work is never done? A job where you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a parent or you have a honey-do list? I mean, right? I mean, this isn't just your profession and your career. There's this sense sometimes that the work is never done. That there's always something else you could be working on, something else you could be doing, whether it's in your home or with your kids or for the job. And so many of us get in this trap of thinking, I can just do a little bit more. I can get a little bit more done. I'll check a couple more emails, get, get rid of, you know, take care of a few more texts. Uh, if I work a little bit on my day off and a little bit on that next day off, I think I'm getting ahead. But the reality is we're never getting ahead because the work is never done. And then this idea of Sabbath comes along and God says, stop working. Just stop working for a day. Actually, I'm going to command it. You need to stop. But, 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 but God, but God, I... There's so much i got to do. i got to provide for my family. I've got demands at my job. I don't have time not to do that. I have to, I have to keep going, and, and i got to fill my days, even on my days off where I'm not at work. We're, we're busy at home, and we're busy with family activities, and, and there's just no rest and no renewal. And yet God is saying, be done. Let your work be done. If you know you did your best and worked hard, rest on the Sabbath. Now, what's interesting is when this commandment came, this commandment was given newly to the Israelites who had just come out of 400 years of slavery. Do slaves get a day off? <laughs> Do they have this time like, hey, it's the weekend, woo, we're out of here. I mean, their work was defined by, you know, by the Egyptians for producing bricks, producing, producing. How many bricks did you make? Make more bricks. Make more bricks. And we begin to define our value and our worth by the number of bricks that we produce. And we start seeing, like, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to produce bricks or widgets or generate sales or make contacts with clients or to, to sell you know, products or to help this many patients. I don't know what your metrics are. But sometimes we begin to feel like what I am good for is to create this value for the company or whomever it is that I'm working for. And that's why the slaves felt this value that came, this worth, through production. And, and God was saying, look, 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 take a day. And you're going to set this aside, and your worth is not going to be determined by the number of bricks you produce, but it's going to be determined by who you are. And you can take this day off without fear. Without fear. Now, what's interesting with the, with the Sabbath principle is that we have this idea that how is it going to last? How is it going to work? i got to keep working all the time, keeping busy. Well, this principle was set even for the, uh, the, the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert and, and they were wondering, how are they going to eat? How are we going to have food each day? And, and God told Moses, tell the people that I will provide for them every day. In the morning, their food will appear. And it came in the morning, it was like these, this, this flaky substance, kind of like, um, you know, it was white and, and it created, and it was kind of like 
like, like kind of a bread-like substance, was called manna. And in the evening, quail would come and it would, he would provide meat for them. But the instruction was this, take only enough for that day, not anymore. And so the first day that manna came, what did people do? They collected manna, but, but they're thinking, I got to get enough. I got to get more. So they took more than their daily ration of what they were supposed to have. Do you know what happened to the stuff that they took that was extra? It spoiled. It went bad. They couldn't take more than what they needed for that day. God was saying, I am providing enough for you for each day. Well, if you're a person who does math and thinks about it, you go, okay, there's enough for the first day, the second day, all the way through the sixth day. What happens on the seventh day? If we're not supposed to work, if we're not supposed to do anything, and there's no manna, how am I going to receive enough? So they wanted to probably take some extra. But what, Jesus, what God told them was on the sixth day, he says, take a double portion. Take enough for two days. And on that day, they did take more. And on the, the, the first Sabbath day, on the seventh day, to their surprise, the extra portion didn't spoil. It was enough for two days. And one of the Sabbath principles is that God will provide seven days for you and six days of work. He's going to take care of the extra. If God commands you to take a rest, if he created us in a way to take a break, to slow down, to renew ourselves, he will provide, he will take care of you. And the, and the pressure is, I can't get it all done. I don't have enough time. I feel that way sometimes, you know, too, in, in ministry. There's always something else to do, someone else to talk to, another thing to prepare. I could work on my message and get these things even, you know, better. I try to work harder. But there comes a point in time where I just have to say, it's done. I've worked hard. I've done my, my, my due diligence, God. I've given it my best. And now it's up to you. I mean, I, I find a freedom in that just to say, God, the rest is up to you. Now it's your responsibility to come through. I've, I've done what I can, and now I need to rest, and now I need to renew. And I do that better some weeks than others. Now, after uh, church today, um, I'd love to treat you all to lunch, to rest a little bit. And so we're going to head up to this little um, place on the corner of, uh, of Shea and, um, and 90th called Chick-fil-A. All right, my treat, my treat for Chick-fil-A today. Um, but that's the only restaurant. That's the only restaurant that I'm willing to treat you guys to uh, is Chick-fil-A. So everyone in? Everyone in? Yeah. All right, all right. Do you guys know that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry to spoil you, those of you that didn't know that. Uh, Chick-fil-A is actually closed on Sundays. And why is Chick-fil-A closed on Sundays. That seems to be ridiculous. Why would a restaurant that could serve all these churchgoers, right, especially a restaurant that is built on Christian principles, why wouldn't it be open on Sunday? Because they could generate so much more. As a matter of fact, um, it, they could make another $760 million in sales each year if they were open on Sundays. $14 million every Sunday. If they would just say, we're going to start opening next Sunday, $14 million each Sunday. This is stupid. This seems like a dumb idea. This seems like a, a ridiculous business principle. But you know, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, you know what he said about um, staying open on Sundays, or I mean, closing on Sundays? He said, I feel it's the best decision I ever made. I feel it's the best decision I ever made. And you know what? By uh, profit per square foot, they are one of the most profitable um, restaurants uh, measured against their competition. And they do that in six days versus others seven days. God is blessing. God is providing. And that principle, when honored, yields amazing um, results. Let God work for you. And that's a way of trusting God to say, look, I'm going to trust you that when I rest and slow down as commanded, you're going to take care and you're going to keep working for me. Now the second principle, let God work in you. Let God work in you. Remember he said, Set to, remember the Sabbath, so remember your rest, but what did he say? Keep it holy. 
This isn't just to keep from, from working, but he wants to renew us on the inside to begin to transform us. And so he, got, he wants to work in us. And, and he wants to basically, is saying through this commandment, look, I want to take away the excuse that you don't have time to worship me. That you don't have time to renew your spirit, to find strength, and to come together. And so this idea of rhythm is when we say we have the Sabbath day, we have a day every week set aside where we can focus on God differently than we do throughout the week. And it's one of the hallmarks of followers of Christ that we are people who say our life is founded on Christ. We ought to have this rhythm in our lives where once a week we set this rhythm apart where we say, God, you're providing for us today and we're going to gather with others to remember this day to keep it holy. I mean, this is so renewing when we sing these worship songs, when we, when we gather with others, when we have, you know, Christian donuts and coffee. You know, that's a great connection and community time to come together. But, but there is an element of growth and, and strength that comes when we, when, we, when we feed our soul in that way. And God is taking that excuse away in some way, saying, look, I'm commanding you because it's good for you, because it will transform you, because it will renew you on the inside, a day set apart. It really shouldn't even be a decision anymore for us. If we're here, we come to church. It's a principle in our family that, that our kids know that Sunday has a different rhythm than the other days of the week. It's different than a Saturday. It's different than another kind of day off. It's Sunday. It's church day. It's the day that our rhythm and our day revolves around putting the priority of coming together in worship first and putting God first and remembering that he provides and that he is our God and that our identity is not in producing bricks, but it's in whose we are, is that we are children of God. Now, the Sabbath could become some kind of religious requirement. We have to do this. And some people argue, is it, you know, is it the Sabbath, the Saturday? Is it the Sunday? And, and it really says we shouldn't work at all. And what if we do a little bit of work or housework or we, we get some job work done? What, what are the, what's, the, what's the rule? Well, it's the principle behind the Sabbath. And actually, in the, in the New Testament, you know, Jesus himself says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Meaning the Sabbath is there to renew you, not your duty and obligation to some um, event or some kind of process that you have to do. This is for your renewal and spiritual renewal. And then in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, it says this. And it talks about Sabbath and other things. It says, for these rules were only shadows of the real thing, Christ himself. See, Sabbath was, was a, is a great part of our rhythm. It's something I think we ought to figure out is how do we find that weekly rhythm of creating and recreating, resting, focusing on Christ. But that in and of itself is not where the ultimate rest comes from. All these, all these kind of rules and commandments pointed to something else, and they pointed to Jesus Christ. And Scripture in the, in the New Testament also talks about coming into our rest. How do we come into our rest? It's not just about a place that we get to, but it's where do we find that rest? And it's that rest found in Jesus Christ himself. And then this is what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We go so hard, we go so fast, and we think we can squeeze everything out of life, but eventually we're left physically spent, we're exhausted, and we're going, this is not what life is all about. God says, look, find a rhythm for your life that you set aside time to renew, to stop from work. I'll provide for you. But let me also transform you on the inside. Worship, focus on me. And then Jesus comes along and says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I want to give you rest. 
And even in our spiritual lives, it's not about working and working to try to produce and to earn God's favor. If I read my Bible a little more, if I pray a little more, if I go to church a little more, if I serve a little more, all very important growing things in our lives. But Jesus is saying, it's not about what you produce for me. Come to me and find rest in who you are. I love you. If you don't do anything, I love you because you're my child. And in that love is where we find renewal. It's in that relationship that we are recharged and we find that room to renew. Let's bow our heads and just reflect for a moment. Some of you here this morning are running really hard. You're wanting to squeeze more and more out of life, but it's, having its taking its toll on you. And I just want you to hear these words of Jesus again. Come to me, all you who are weary and ca- carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ability and the gifts and the skills and the talents that you've given us to create, to produce, and to to add value to this world and to this life and to provide for our families and to enjoy some of the good things in life and to be about ministry and mission and provide for this church and all the great things that we can accomplish together. But Lord, help us not to lose sight of the renewal that you want to work in our own lives through your spirit, God, that we don't crowd out your Holy Spirit. God, that we don't crowd you out by running so hard so fast. Help us just to breathe you in, to draw close to you, to be in a relationship with you, God, not because you value us for what we can produce, but you value us because we are your children. Give us this breathing room. And Father, even on this weekend, would we we take the time and to create the space to renew. In Jesus' name, amen.